lesson six of their last seven, the consistency might be finally coming around for the Vegas Golden Knights. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, December 11th, 2019, and we are coming off the heels of a 5-1 to one victory for the Golden Knights over the Chicago Blackhawks on Tuesday night. Welcome back, everybody. I am your host, Danny Webster, Vegas correspondent for NHL.com and site manager for SB Nation's Nights on Ice. And if this is the first time you are listening to this podcast, welcome. We are a daily podcast talking about the Golden Knights here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, in which you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you may get your podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LockdownVGK, and you can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. And if you feel like sending an email, because emails are cool too, you can do so at LockedOnGoldenKnights at gmail.com. So the Golden Knights obviously coming into Tuesday's game needing to rebound after losing 5 to nothing at the hands of the New York Rangers on Sunday night. Uh, they got a lot of chances, didn't result in too many goals. Unfortunately, it resulted in goals the other way for the Rangers. This game tonight, though, was a bit different in that finally for the first time in eight games, Marc-Andre Fleury was back in net for the Golden Knights, and he had one hell of a performance. He stopped 28 of 29 shots. He was 30 seconds away from recording his 59th shutout of his NHL career in the first game back since his father passed away on November 27th. Fleury goes out and stops 28 of 29, and the Golden Knights won 5-1 to one and are now... 5-1-1 one, one in their past seven games and are only three points back of the Edmonton Oilers for first place in the Pacific Division. Five different Golden Knights scored. Riley Smith, William Carlson, Derek Norris Trophy winning England, uh, Max Pacioretty, and Ryan Reeves all scored for the Golden Knights. Dominic Kubalik ruined the shutout with 27 seconds remaining, uh, nearly Probably would have broke, brought the roof off the place had uh, Flurry maintained the shutout. Um, the ovation before the game was out of this world. Uh, fans have been wanting to show their support for Marc Andre Flurry in the events of uh, before Thanksgiving. Uh, Malcolm Subban filled in for him admirably, going four one and one in those uh, six starts that he had. Uh, Subban started the last seven, but in the time that Flurry was gone, uh, Subban filled in admirably. Flurry returned to the crease and had one hell of a performance. And after the game, uh, obviously had a chance to chat with one number twenty-nine, just to get his thoughts on really just an what could be considered an overwhelming night for the Golden Knights franchise goaltender. Do you, do you get nervous when you have that much time off and you kind of go in there and do you kind of put nerves on yourself to have a game like that? Um, I was, I don't know, I wasn't shaking, nervous, right? right. But I was um, definitely a little bit. Like, it's been a while since I've played and, I don't know, I felt like last maybe couple of practices or warm-up I was thinking more, right? Like, oh, I should stop that, you know? Like, I gotta stop that, right? And, and so just... You know, relax a bit, but 
and that's what happened when you miss in all the while and um, Sapio thing went pretty well today it's d- different you know it's mid-season game right? but still um, still meant a lot for me and um, yeah it's, it's good to win do you kind of feel like your job is with you tonight? I don't know. I thought about him a lot, but um, I don't know how that works. Right? Where you go when you can't. Uh, yeah, this is my thought a lot, though. So we've been waiting for this, really, for the last number of weeks now. And we kind of talked about it a little bit after the Arizona game uh, on Black Friday, or at least I wrote about it on Nights on Ice. The consistency is what is key for the Golden Knights. Finding that consistency, finding the ways to string these wins together, finding ways to assert your dominance and assert yourself as a top team in a very loaded Western Conference. And so far, 5-1-1 in their past seven. Uh, They obviously very well could be 6-1-0 had they not crapped in overtime against the Islanders last week. But you know what? We're focusing on the positive today. And the positive is the Golden Knights rebounded after... Really a performance where you can just chalk it up and say it happened, you move on. I mean, I don't think the Rangers fully dominated. I think in the second half of the second period and full on in the third period when they finally put their foot on the collective throat of the Golden Knights, I think that's when you could look at that and say, yeah, they took it to them. But I thought, I mean, at least for the first 30 minutes of the game, the Golden Knights had their chances. And if one of the one or two of those goals go in, if Alex Georgiev was not uh, playing the role of a brick wall that night, uh, the outcome might have been a little bit different, um, but the consistency is really what's been talked about. And if the Golden Knights can find a way to do that with their upcoming uh, road back to back against St. Louis on Thursday and Dallas on Friday, then they're going to be in much better shape uh, than what I think uh, they're in right now. Uh, like I said, five Golden Knights scored. Smith scored on the power play. Uh, William Carlson scored for the first time in 10 games on a beautiful shorthanded two-on-one going the other way between him and Smith. Derek Englund scored the first of the year. He has looked like someone who wants to score goals every time he gets on the ice lately. I, I think I've counted a good seven or eight scoring chances since the goal from Derek Englund since the Golden Knights switched up their defensive scheme. And so far... It, it's worked off. He's he had a couple of good chances last week. I think it was against Arizona, um, but roofed one over Corey Crawford uh, last night and was spectacular. I, I think Derek England is playing obviously the best stretch of hockey of the season to this point. And if he can add in a little bit of this offensive uh, resurgence that he's on, it's going to be a huge element for the Golden Knights going forward. Uh, Max Pacioretty on a tap-in off a great feed from Mark Stone. And Ryan Reeves, for the first time in 20 games, found the twine. And afterwards, I did ask William Carlson about that said consistency and if it feels like the Golden Knights are turning the corner. I think so. I think we've been playing pretty well lately, um, besides the Rangers game. Um, uh, yeah, I think we've uh, kind of found our groove a little, a little better and. Hopefully we can uh, stay with it. So big picture, big win for the Golden Knights. A huge win to come back home and respond well the way that they did. I think that they they understood that Sunday really was an aberration. For as well as Georgiev played, um, it was an aberration. It really wasn't a situation where the Golden Knights felt like they were outplayed. 
If you want to count them when they were down three, four, nothing, and that they were outplayed, fine. But the first period could have gone a completely different way, especially if the Rangers did not score what those two goals in 14 seconds. So a lot of it could have changed drastically uh, from that point. But you know what? You take the wins any way you can get them. I've been saying that ever since the Golden Knights started getting on this uh, getting on this hot streak. And right now they're playing well in December. They're not that far off from first place. And again, big, tough uh, road back-to-back that we will uh, further discuss tomorrow with the defending cup champion Blues on Thursday and the Dallas Stars, which we will discuss in the final segment, um, the Stars on Friday. Uh, so big win for VGK. Um, but as far as last night was concerned, uh, it was also not a big night for me, but it was also very emotional. And uh, I will touch on that uh, right after this. So it's been a few hours since I shared something that I wrote on Nights on Ice earlier this morning um, about how Marc-Andre Fleury's performance impacted me. Um, Not saying that I obviously know uh, what Fleury is going through. Um, I mean, full disclosure, I haven't talked to my actual dad and you know, 14 years. So it's not like I can fully relate to that aspect, but I can relate on one certain part in regards to my grandfather, George Summers. Um, yesterday was the 12 year anniversary of when my grandfather died. Uh, he had a stroke, uh, I believe it was back in 2002, um, bedridden for the last five years of his life, really, uh, was paralyzed on his entire right side of his body. Um, and we lost him 12 days before his 67th birthday. Um, we lost him 15 days before Christmas. Um, he, he was my father figure, right? And he was the one who, um, the one who I looked up to and admired, from the time I was a little kid and um yesterday it's it seems so surreal that it's been 12 years since uh since he's been gone and last night before I went to T-Mobile Arena I went to uh I went to the cemetery uh, in Henderson where he's at and I spent about 15 minutes there and Normally, when you go to a cemetery, and it was about five o'clock, so the sun was already down, and you know the old adage of cemeteries being scary in the dark—you really don't, uh, you don't really don't feel that. Um, but for fifteen minutes, I got to just sit—you know—I got to stand around and act like he was there, you know, talking to him, and you know, just getting some things off my chest, obviously about life and work and everything else, and. You know, it, it, it helped me calm myself. And, you know, it's, it's usually what I do. I usually go to the cemetery every now and then just to talk to him, just to let some things out and make it seem like that he's actually there, you know. And, and you know, sometimes people cope with, you know, stress different ways. That's one of the ways that I do it. Um, I didn't get to the arena last night until about 7.10, so right as puck dropped. And... After I left the cemetery, you know, I was, you know, I turned on the Christmas music, you know, I was happy that I got to go and, you know, talk to him. And obviously, I'll be going there in about another week or so for his birthday. So, um, 
But I was on my way to the arena last night, and there was all that traffic going on in the 15. And if those of you who either went to the game or you saw it on the news, there were reports of this guy who was firing a gun at an off-duty Metro police officer, and basically they sh- Metro shut down the entire 15. I had no idea what was going on um, at the time of, what, of when that was happening. Um, but I was stuck in traffic for about a good hour, hour and a half on my way to the arena. And I was just so pissed. I I was so beyond pissed that I, and I hate getting to games late. I hate getting to anywhere late. I don't like being late. And, you know, I, I, the, the more I finally got through onto the 15, because Frank Sinatra was closed, uh, Tropicana was closed. You couldn't get onto the Frank Sinatra exit from the 15 because, you know, Trop was closed. Um, so the last place I could get off was Flamingo. And when you get on Flamingo and go to Las Vegas Boulevard and eventually turn on to Park, where, Park Avenue, where I have to park, you're basically stuck in three-lane uh, driving scenarios on the Strip because they've narrowed it down to three lanes because they're doing construction. So I'm literally sitting a half a mile away from Park Avenue waiting to frickin' turn so I can finally get in the parking garage and get to the press box and finally get to work. And the whole time, I was just so pissed because I was frustrated that I'm getting to work late. And of course, I'm not blaming it on the fact that I went to go see my grandpa. That's obviously not what I'm doing. It's, it's more so frustrating that I didn't get to where I needed to be on time and I had a whole plan to do it. And honestly, I should have listened to my wife because even before I left, she told me to take the side streets. And I was like, and me being stubborn, of course, I was like, no, I could probably get on the 15. It won't be so bad. I only got to take one exit and I'm there. And little did I know, and I don't even think she knew what was going on. So yeah, for advice to all of you guys, listen to your wives. Uh, I'm still learning that, by the way. And I've been married for almost a year now, uh, or for over a year now, I should say. Um, (laughs) But um you know, with all that going on last night and finally getting to the arena, I, I didn't get a chance to see the crowd's ovation for Marc-Andre Fleury. I, I think that would have been fantastic to to see and listen and to feel. Um, and I got settled in. I got my computer up, and I started doing some work. And, you know, it, it, it took a while for me to finally not be pissed because I hate getting to work late. I feel like I miss a lot. And even if it's just for a game, you know, I've never liked being late to anything. And, you know, it took me about, I want to say seven minutes left in the first period, probably even closer to the second period, really, um, where I just realized that, you know, many levels below me on the ice was a man who came back to work even if he wasn't ready to. And put on a classic flurry performance just a week and a half after his dad died. And I got to that realization in about the second period, as you know, my dog can probably agree with me, as he's barking at the window, because of course he is. And if you start barking like crazy, I'm going to get very agitated with you. Um, but about midway through the second period when I finally calmed down and I saw Flurry make a couple of amazing saves, 
um, especially the one in the second period where he stopped Jonathan Taze twice, actually. Um, there was a moment where I was just thinking, why in the world do we get so mad at the littlest of things? You know, there are things in life that aren't worth getting mad over. It's being stuck in traffic, um, being late to something, you know, something that can drive us crazy. It, it shouldn't, things like that shouldn't be happening, but we are in a time frame, we are in a time period where the littlest of things can get us at, angry. And I mean, what, two, three hours prior, I was just at the cemetery literally talking to my grandfather about, you know, I, I, I wish he was here because I need someone to vent to for all the hours I'm putting in at work and, you know, not getting paid full time. Um, you know, obviously trying to take care of a family with my wife. It's it's stressful. And those are the bigger things in life that makes everything look minute. And when I watched Marc-Andre Fleury put on the performance he did last night, I think it, for the first time in a long time for me, it put a lot of things in perspective. Not just, not just personally, but it, it really... In life, I think, for all of us, it should put something into perspective. And I know that athletes, you know, they deal with loss all the time and they come back in their first game. And you, it, I, I kind of wrote about it last night. People cope with loss in different ways. For athletes, it's coming back to the sport you love to do and just put and in the hockey player's standpoint, put on your pads and go do your business. You know, for us, for those who aren't athletes, for those who, you know, for those of you who may work a nine-to-five job, or for those of you who are like me, who are freelancers and are trying to fight and scratch and claw for every single penny that you can get just so you can supply and provide for your family. You know, I think we cope with it in different ways. But when I watched Marc-Andre Fleury last night, it was one of those situations where I was just, how in the world is he doing it? I mean, how does he do it? This, this man is one of the cheeriest, most happiest, most wonderful people that I've gotten a chance to talk with and meet when covering the Golden Knights for the last two plus years. And obviously, you know, it goes without saying, he's been a very, uh, he's been a very somber man for the last few days since he's returned to the Golden Knights from his personal leave. And and obviously, understandably so. Um, But you can just tell, as he was answering questions last night, when I, when I got into the second half of the scrum, and I got to talk to him a little bit. You can tell that he was. Uh, you you can tell he was definitely still heartbroken, a man who's still dealing with heartbreak and uh, dealing with, um, just dealing with unfathomable loss, and he's come back a week and a half later, probably when he's not ready to, and he put on really a classic flurry like performance. Um, 
and and I kind of touched on it. And when I wrote about my piece last night, this is kind of what I said. This was one of the last paragraphs I wrote. Flurry's performance on Tuesday reassured me that we should all look to those in our lives, especially during the holidays, that give us solace and peace. For Flurry, it's his teammates and the sport he loves. It's also his family, his wife and kids, especially his newborn baby. For us, we should look to our loved ones, our friends, to understand that no matter how hard life might be at the moment, we can be picked up. We can get through life's struggles, no matter how hard they may be at the current time, no matter how dark, brighter times are ahead. And if I had the time to thank Mark andre for that subtle reminder last night, I would have done that. And I almost did. And it's almost it's almost sort of a uh, shame that I didn't get a chance to. But I figured he just got done playing one hell of a game. You know, he just he's been going through a lot. The last thing I really wanted to do, I think, and maybe it's kind of selfish on my part, but the last thing you want to do is just bring up like, oh, by the way, my grandfather died 12 years ago today. You know, I just wanted to thank you for reminding me of this. So maybe at some point I will talk to him about it. Um, I didn't think last night was the time to do so. But as we gear up for the holidays, I mean, what are we now? We're two weeks away from Christmas, two weeks from today. And I think last night was a reminder to me and I hope it's a reminder to all of you. Always remember what is important to you. Always remember who is in your life. Always remember who is supporting you and who is there for you. And always remember that there are people who will be there to pick you up when you need it. Last night, I think Marc-Andre Fleury's teammates, without question, played for him. They obviously made it very known they wanted to play for him. For us, as those who aren't professional hockey players, professional athletes, always remember you have people to lean on. Always remember you have people who care. And always remember to keep those people close with you. And always remember to remember those who are no longer with us. Knowing that brighter times are indeed ahead. So after all that, I guess we can now take a look around the uh, take a look around the league. Um, and yesterday was a rather eventful day before anything happened. Um, the Dallas Stars fired Jim Montgomery for reasons that I don't think any of us know, and I don't think any of us may ever know. Uh, somebody is going to f- break this story at some point. Somebody in the Dallas media is going to find out why in the world Jim Montgomery, who I believe coached the Stars to a 16-4-2 stretch in their last 22 games after starting 1-7-1 and are firmly back in the race in the Central Division, I'm still trying to figure out how in the world this man got fired. Now, funny thing is, what was it? At the time of Montgomery's firing was announced, was it less than 24 hours prior, Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, released a statement saying that they were going to enact these policies when it comes to coach and player relations. 
And of course, the first thought on everybody's mind is, what the hell happened between the 13 hours that that press release was sent out, that statement by Bettman was sent out, to what happened with Jim Montgomery? Turns out it had nothing to do with that. So we're basically, and and Jim Nill, the general manager, came out and said that it was not uh, criminal charge related. So basically, you're down to a few other options here. And I'm not going to speculate which those are, but I think if you put two and two together... There are a few where you can say, ah, well, that would make sense. Um, so Jim Nill or Jim Nill, Jim Montgomery is gone. Rick Bownis took over as head coach for the Stars. And how did the Stars respond? They shut out the Devils two to nothing last night. Well, one, because it's the Devils and you probably needed an easy opponent like that uh, to get over that crap. Um, but the Stars win and get a win for Rick Bownis in his first game. So... All of a sudden, the Grim Reaper of coaching via the Golden Knights comes a few days earlier, um, obviously with Mike Babcock and John Hines being fired. Uh, Jim Montgomery uh, is no longer on the bench, and he won't be on the bench when the Stars take on the Golden Knights on Friday in Dallas. So there you have that. Um, other scores around the league. The Lightning beat the Panthers 2-1 to one last night. Tampa had 48 shots on goal and only scored twice. One, that tells you how good Sergei Bobrovsky has been lately. Two, that shows you how struggling of a time it has been for the Lightning to score a goal, especially after they only scored one against the Islanders the other day. So three goals in two games, but at least they got a nice response against a team that they are trying to catch in the uh, playoff standings. So the Lightning get the win there. The Maple Leafs with a 6-3 to victory in Vancouver. John Taveras with two goals. And Toronto moves to 6-3-0 under Sheldon Keefe. So maybe uh, good times are ahead for the Maple Leafs as they look to turn the page on Mike Babcock. Uh, Speaking of a new coach, the Calgary Flames may never lose again. Uh, Since fire... My my apologies. Since Bill Peters, quote-unquote, resigned, uh, the Flames are 6-0 under coach Jeff Ward after winning 5-2 at Arizona the Flames are surging right now in the Pacific Division. Uh, Cam Talbot made 46 saves, an awesome effort from him. The fact that the Coyotes were able to get 46 shots off and shows how hot of a goaltending situation right now it is not It is for Calgary. Um, and four straight games with a goal for Sean Monahan. So here come the, uh, here come the Flames. Well, just when you thought you were going to write them off, and if they were frauds, I'm not saying that Bill Peters, the whole situation with that, is coming under the fact that they're winning now, but it says a lot. You fire your coach, you start to win. It, it's crazy how that works. Uh, the Sabres, a 5-2 victory over the Blues, who, again, will see the Golden Knights on Thursday in St. Louis. Jack Eichel is on a 14-game point streak, and I saw somewhere today that he is on pace for 50 goals and 100 points. If the Buffalo Sabres don't make the playoffs, I could totally see this becoming a, a uh, Anthony Davis-type situation for Jack Eichel. Even though he's signed a long-term contract and he's going to be there for quite a while, the Sabres are starting to kind of play better. I mean, I, I talked about it a little uh, before the se- or during the season, I think the first few weeks. I wasn't sold on the Sabres because we saw this from them last year. They had a good start, and then toward the final 50 games, they kind of fizzled out. Right now, the Sabres are hanging around in the playoff chase, and they look rather good. 
And if Jack Eichel can keep this up, that's one way that they're going to keep winning. Um, third straight loss for the Blues, so they will be coming into Thursday's game rather pissed off. And this one blew my mind. This is the first set of consecutive wins for the Sabres since October 19th through the 22nd. That is how bad the last month or so has been for the Sabres. But if they're starting to turn it around, then more power to them. But they haven't won consecutive games since October 19th? Good God, man. Good God. Uh, other scores, uh, the Ducks won 3-2 over the Wild in, over, in, a, in a shootout. Uh, the Minnesota Wild have a point in 12 of the last 13. So here come the Wild. That Central is becoming a log jam really fast. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets keep on rolling. Speak of the Central, they keep on rolling a 5-1 victory in, against the Red Wings. The Carolina Hurricanes did the Golden Knights a very solid favor by beating the Edmonton Oilers in Edmonton 6-3. Uh, the Kings with a 3-1 victory over the Rangers and the Canadians with a 4-1 victory over the Pittsburgh injured Penguins. So that is your look around the league. Uh, this is also going to be the time where I ask you all, if you have mailbag questions, please feel free to get those in. Again, we are going to be trying to get the mailbag done rather soon. Uh, some of the questions by the time the mailbag goes up will obviously uh, not impact the games against the Blues and the Stars. But if you have your mailbag questions, please feel free to send those in. We will get those answered in for our mailbag on Friday. So that is going to do it for us, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope uh, I hope my words today in the second segment kind of uh, you know helped you in any way possible. I'm not sure if I've you know if I if I can at least help one person. That's all I really would hope for. So um, thank you for allowing me to have this platform to speak to all of you, and uh, we will be back tomorrow to preview the Golden Knights and the Blues. So look forward to that one. So thank you guys once again. I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked on Golden Knights, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we will see you tomorrow. Have a good one. 